Hi, I'm Allie Raisman. I've been living with migraine for a while. As an athlete and gymnast, I was taught to just power through the pain. Now I use Ubrelvi or Ubrojapan to treat my migraine attacks. As soon as I feel a migraine attack, I take Ubrelvi, which provides me with quick relief. Once I get relief, I go on with my day. I'm partnering with Ubrelvi to share my migraine story. Ubrelvi quickly stops migraine in its tracks within two hours without worrying where you are. Most people had quick pain relief within two hours. Ubrelvi treats migraine attacks in adults and is not for prevention. It's available by prescription only. Do not take Ubrelvi with strong CYP3A4 inhibitors. Tell your healthcare provider about all the medicines you take. Most common side effects are nausea and tiredness. My hope is that by sharing my migraine story and the relief I get from Ubrelvi, it can help someone else. Ask your doctor about Ubrelvi, the anytime, anywhere migraine medicine. Learn more at ubrelvy.com or call 844-4-U-B-R-E-L-V-Y. Sponsored by AbbVie. I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? Explain to me. No, you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's It's not. It's an illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble. And I know it. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who we have tonight? Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. Hi, I'm Allie Raisman. I've been living with migraine for a while. As an athlete and gymnast, I was taught to just power through the pain. Now I use Ubrelvi or Ubrojapan to treat my migraine attacks. As soon as I feel a migraine attack, I take Ubrelvi, which provides me with quick relief. Once I get relief, I go on with my day. I'm partnering with Ubrelvi to share my migraine story. Ubrelvi quickly stops migraine in its tracks within two hours without worrying where you are. Most people had quick pain relief within two hours. Ubrelvi treats migraine attacks in adults and is not for prevention. It's available by prescription only. Do not take Ubrelvi with strong CYP3A4 inhibitors. Tell your healthcare provider about all the medicines you take. Most common side effects are nausea and tiredness. My hope is that by sharing my migraine story and the relief I get from Ubrelvi, it can help someone else. Ask your doctor about Ubrelvi, the anytime, anywhere migraine medicine. Learn more at ubrelvy.com or call 844-4-U-B-R-E-L-V-Y. Sponsored by AbbVie. Hi, I'm Allie Raisman. I've been living with migraine for a while. As an athlete and gymnast, I was taught to just power through the pain. Now I use Ubrelvy or Ubrojapan to treat my migraine attacks. As soon as I feel a migraine attack, I take Ubrelvy, which provides me with quick relief. Once I get relief, I go on with my day. I'm partnering with Ubrelvy to share my migraine story. 
Ubrel-V quickly stops migraine in its tracks within two hours without worrying where you are. Most people had quick pain relief within two hours. Ubrel-V treats migraine attacks in adults and is not for prevention. It's available by prescription only. Do not take Ubrel-V with strong CYP3A4 inhibitors. Tell your healthcare provider about all the medicines you take. Most common side effects are nausea and tiredness. My hope is that by sharing my migraine story and the relief I get from Ubrel-V, it can help someone else. Ask your doctor about Ubrel-V, the anytime, anywhere migraine medicine. Learn more at ubrelv.com or call 844-4-U-B-R-E-L-V-Y. Sponsored by AbV. Do you think I'm really a sick creep? Yes, Corey Edgar, I do. Corey Edgar was one of 38 men, suspected predators, who showed up in our Long Beach, California investigation. Now, Long Beach, if you'll remember, was just a matter of weeks after our very first investigation in which we collaborated with law enforcement in Riverside, California. In fact, we had a return visitor from Riverside who also showed up in Long Beach, Michael Seibert. We talked about him in an earlier episode. Corey Edgar sticks out for so many reasons. 32 years old, and I'll get into the chat and all the rest of it in just a minute here. But Corey came to our sting house to meet a decoy posing as a 12-year-old girl named Cheyenne. And if you look at the chat, it's very clear that while he has some reservations and some fears that maybe this is some sort of a setup or a police sting, he comes anyway. He truly is one of these guys who has a fantasy. And because of the internet, the access, the addictive nature, and the anonymity, perhaps, he gets it in his head that he he needs to have sex with this 12-year-old girl. And in spite of common sense, in spite of his sixth sense telling him that there's something wrong here, he crosses that line between fantasy and reality, and he shows up. And what's interesting about Corey Edgar, I think, at least from you know where I was standing in the investigation, is that he was one of those guys who I thought might get skittish and run. In fact, I thought that's what was happening. Corey shows up after his sexually charged, obscene chat with, as I mentioned, a decoy posing as a 12-year-old girl. And he slithers up the sidewalk and kind of hangs out outside the house. And he has this conversation with our decoy. Decoy was great, the onside decoy, who was uh, Danny Mura, a young woman who worked for us in, in Long Beach, who was interested in the theater, was also a prominent junior athlete member of SAG, did a wonderful job for us, Danny did. And she has a conversation with him, and he sees her, and he's hooked. He's going to walk in, but he's still unsure, so he he spends some time in this netherworld of outside the house and inside the house, and and he walks in, and I think he sees one of the camera crew. Now, Long Beach was a nice bungalow, middle, upper middle class neighborhood, backyard. And we had a couple different scenarios set up there. One in the backyard for a meeting. We had one in the family room kitchen area with a bar. And 
there was a curtain in a side bedroom where I was. And I could see in the monitor that he was hinky anyway. In fact, for a moment, as I mentioned, I thought he split. I thought he ran. And and you'll hear it a second when I play the sound. Frag of perverted justice was in communication with the Long Beach Police Department. And for a minute, Frag thought, I thought, we all thought, the police thought that Corey was going to bolt. In fact, when you see the video, the police start to move into position and get ready to arrest Corey. But Corey's already inside the house, so Frag tells the police, you know, just stand down for a second. And he walks in, and he sees me. Now, after he sees me, he's still rangy and cagey, so he wants to leave for a second. But then I think he sort of senses that the police are outside. He doesn't know for sure whether I'm a member of the police department or... I'm me. Before we shot in Long Beach, I think we probably had three or four episodes air on Dateline. So he may have seen it, but we really didn't get a lot of people talking about the show or knowing it was the show in Long Beach. It was still fairly early on in the process. The Long Beach police were great. There was a young lieutenant with whom we dealt and I interviewed for the original story who knew that there was an issue in the community and he wanted to do something about it to protect the children of Long Beach. So in fact, we worked together on this investigation. Ironically, with all 38 men arrested in this particular investigation, the vast majority of them got probation and public service, and registration as a sex offender. Very few people did any significant jail time in the Long Beach investigation, and there was some outrage about this. The judges merely followed the law, I think, in most of the cases, if these guys were first-time offenders. They were within the guidelines. The judge in this particular investigation seemed maybe a little put off by having to deal with, you know, 38 guys who were caught in a TV collaboration with law enforcement. But I'll tell you what happened because of Long Beach and because there was a certain amount of outrage within law enforcement and in the community in general. Perverted Justice, the watchdog group with which we worked on these early investigations, provided the decoys and the logistics to help the police and coordinate between us and the police was particularly outraged because we had seen stiffer sentences in other areas. But after the Long Beach investigation, there was a real gut check, I think, in California. And the laws were strengthened, especially when it came to sexual contact between adults and teens under the age of 17. So I think that's one of the many important results of our investigations. I remember it wasn't long after Long Beach that I was actually asked to testify in front of a congressional subcommittee in Washington about this issue. And we talked to various senators and congressmen about the issue. And we did see some action after that, especially in California. But back to Corey Edgar. Let's take a look at his chat. Now, this is astounding to me that anybody would think 
they would get anywhere with an opening line like this. I mean, I guess if you're a guy who is just looking for a quick sexual liaison, you may open with, hey, let's have sex and see what happens. And maybe there's a woman out there who would do it. But who in their right mind would say this to someone who is, by all accounts, at least here on the Internet, a 12-year-old girl named Cheyenne, whose screen name was, This Place Sucks, I Hate It. So this is Corey's opening line in the chat room. Hello, how are you doing? Can I tease and please your pussy with my tongue and make you come over and over? Okay, that's his first line. I mean, no warm-up, no nothing. That's what he says in the chat room. And then he says, you won't be disappointed. And this place sucks, I hate it. Cheyenne, who says she's 12, asks... Now, all this is in her profile, by the way. She asks him his ASL, his age, sex, and location. And he says, 28, male, Anaheim. Oh, I'm 12, by L.A. Okay, bye, he says. Decoy says, now you don't want to? I never knew a young female like yourself would like that. Now, I should also remind you, if you don't know that Corey Edgar's screen name was Rick's Talented Tongue. I'm not sure why he used the name Rick. I haven't seen anything in any of the legal documents or the charging papers or transcripts as to why he used the name Rick. I think we all understand, based upon his obsession with having oral sex with a 12-year-old girl, that when he says Talented Tongue, he's talking about oral sex. And he won't let this notion go of having sex, oral sex, or intercourse with a 12-year-old. But he goes back and forth. What's your name and number then, he says. Now, this is literally six minutes into the conversation. LOL, what's yours, the decoy says. You're the one who's mean. Then Corey says, sorry, I'm not going to play games. I didn't think you were serious. Goodbye. Decoy says, you're the one who's not laughing my ass off, LMAO. You're probably ugly anyways. Whatever, he says. I'll call you right now, she says. I'm Cheyenne. I told you I would call you, he says. Obviously, you're just a fake ass. She says, I am not. I just don't know if you're serious. I'll give you my number if you're really going to drive here. Yes, he says. Edits out the number. Cheyenne. And she gives the number. Okay, what city is that? Long Beach, she says. Are you going to call or not, she asks. Yes. Why? I'm waiting, LOL. Okay, I'm getting my phone. And the conversation goes back and forth about calling and meeting up and locations and the basic logistics that a predator goes through before he sexually assaults a child. Then he says, The only way I will call back is if you tell me on the phone what you would like to do. LOL, okay, she says. Do you have any more pics of yourself? She had sent some pics. The um, perverted justice decoys have pictures they can send, and sometimes we actually have pictures of the on-site decoys so everything matches up. But in these investigations, things develop so quickly, you don't always have the actual picture of the on-site decoy hired to greet the uh, predator. 
so it can get a little bit confusing there. Anyway, she sends a picture. Very cute, he says. Thank you very much. Show me yours now. So why are you into older guys, he asks. Because they're hot. Why are you into girls, LOL? I have never done this with a female under 18, and I'm kind of afraid to. Yeah, you should be afraid, all right. LOL. I'm serious. Well, be afraid then, she says, and have a hell of a lame life. You're the one who messaged me. I never knew or heard of a female your age that loves to have a guy lick her pussy, he says. I never tried it, but I want to. My friend said it's totally awesome. So now you don't want to, huh? She says. Lame. I'm calling, he says. You're not answering. They have a conversation, then they go back to the chat room. Okay, what is your address and home phone number in case I get lost and can't get a hold of you and your cell phone? So he wants to know exactly where he's going. She gives out the address. And then he starts to get a little nervous. They talk about how long it's going to take to get there, what they're going to do. He asks, is your pussy smooth and shaven for me to give it French kisses? Now, who says that to a 12-year-old girl? I mean, it's, what was this guy thinking? Um, no, is that bad, she says. Not at all. Is it trimmed? Now he wants to know precise details of her anatomy. So if you're going to try and tell me, which he does later, that he really wasn't going to do anything, this would indicate absolutely that you're lying. He had every intent. Who says this unless they have the intent of carrying out these intended actions? She says she doesn't have a lot of hair. Okay, yummy, he says. Have you ever had sex before? No. Oh my God, never? She's 12! I'm kind of scared too, she says. I almost did one time, but my friend says it hurt her real bad, so... Is that okay? Yes, he says. What's your last name, Cheyenne? Are you Indian? No, I'm half Japanese. My last name is Kennedy, she says. Now this matches with the real-life on-site decoy Danny, who is also part Japanese. Are you coming over or what, she says. Yes, I'm getting ready as I'm chatting with you. Damn, your pussy must be really hot and wet for some attention. Jesus. Then he says, I can tell you right now that I will only be able to lick your pussy and not have sex with you. My cock is too big for your pussy. And since it will be your first time, it would hurt you. Well, how considerate is that? You want to see a pic of my cock? She says, K, sent a smiley face. Be right back. Oh my God, wow. When are you going to get here, she says. I'm so sorry, baby. My computer froze and I had to restart. I'm leaving in a few minutes. Did you see the pic of my cock, he says? Yeah, LOL. What did you think? It's big, she says. You wouldn't want to feel it inside you. Okay, you don't have a cam? So he's still trying to get as many pictures of her as possible before he comes over. He wants a commitment from her. He wants this girl, all of 12 years old, to send him some sort of proof of life that she's real and that she's ready to have sex with him. Can I ask you for a favor so I know how serious you really are, baby? This is Rick's talented tongue talking, Corey. Like what? Well, I showed you a pic of my cock. So, you know how serious I am. Can you show me something on your can before I head out the door and drive over? Oh, are you kidding me? OMG. No way. 
Not your pussy, your nipple. No way. You're just messing with me, she says, so forget it. Then he jumps right into the next question. Do you have a condom? So he talks about not having sex with her, or at least intercourse. And then he talks about having a condom. And then he goes back to the oral sex discussion. If I eat your pussy out until you reach orgasm and get you really wet, then it shouldn't hurt. That shows intent for intercourse. Unless you rather do 69 at the same time, you suck my cock while I eat your pussy out instead of feeling my cock inside you. So he's giving... I mean, this girl is 12. I'm getting ready to leave now, he says. Is your pussy soaking wet and hot for me? It's hard for me to believe that this is the first time Corey Edgar, a.k.a. Rick's Talented Tongue, has had a conversation online. And while he expresses some apprehension about this decoy's stated age, you can't help but wonder how many other times he's done this and if, in fact, he has actually met up with another child. We may never know that, and Corey has never said, as far as I know. But before he gets in his car to head over to our sting house, he wants the girl to swear to God that she is not an undercover cop. He says this, I want you to swear to God to me that you are not an undercover cop, someone trying to set me up. Oh my God, I'm not a cop or someone trying to set you up. I swear to God, she says. I have your address and cell number at work. Can you give me all that again? Fine. She gives out the address, the cell phone number. Do you swear to God you're going to come over at one? Yes, he says. Yes, what? What freeway are you off of? He asks for more directions. Precise directions. She gives them. Corey Edgar rolls up to the house. He has one last conversation with a decoy. And that seems to calm him down. Take a listen. Fine. If honestly, this is stupid. If you don't want to, then seriously, let's just get off the phone. Two minutes. All right. Awesome. See you then. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. He walks up to the front door, but we want him to come into the side door because that's the way we have the house set up. So. The on-site decoy Danny comes around into the driveway and starts talking to him. Rick, are you coming? Come on. <laughs> he is uh, real sketchy, so there's a good chance he's going to run. He's real nervous. You heard Frag right there. He's real sketchy. There's a good chance he's going to run. Now, Corey's wearing a T-shirt, loose-fitting, and some shorts. He's got his sunglasses up over his eyes, and he's checking this situation out. The onside decoy Danny is giddy and happy to see him. But it's not clear if he's going to stay or not. Listen in. <laughs> Where are you going? He's okay, so he just stay, stay tight. He's just looking for cops. Stay out of sight, guys. Stay out of sight. Just paranoid. Why are you paranoid? Just picture me naked and come on in. Now, at this point, he looks really nervous, so I come out. You are a suspicious guy, Rick. And that's, as you heard, you look like a suspicious guy. Now, he leaves, right? And I think he's gone, quite honestly, at this point. I think that Corey Edgar, and I'm calling him Rick during this particular confrontation because that's what we had from the transcripts. But 
At the moment, I thought Corey was going to bolt. And I think what happened was he went outside. He may have caught a glimpse of the police and came back in to try to figure out a way to do this. And, and, and this is when we have our conversation. He denies everything. Listen to this. I, don't, I wasn't planning on anything. I just want to hear from you. That's all. This was a setup. Rick? Well, explain to me what you did want then. I did not want any of it. Hold on. He didn't want He's He's, he's, he's standing at the doorway, so so kind of just hide against the, by the windows, guys. Chris has got him now. He's coming back to Chris. Okay, so the police working on this investigation come running across the street because they think they're going to have to arrest Corey Edgar. But somehow... I convince him to come back in, whether he saw the police or not. And he comes into the house, and I start my my questioning. But outside, the police then have to stand down. So they're ready, they're waiting, but there was this immediate activity outside because they thought the arrest was going to have to go down right then and there. And then I managed to get him to come into the house, and he denies wanting to do anything. And as you'll hear as this plays out, it's almost like he doesn't want to leave. Because I think as he's trying to sort this out in his mind, A, he knows life as he know it is over. He's been nabbed, trying to do something horrible. And he will say this, that his life is screwed, my family's life is over. I feel like I'm going to throw up, he says at one point. So he knows he's in trouble. He just doesn't know how much trouble he's in. Take a listen. Want this to happen? Well, let me read to you the first line out of your mouth. Hello, how are you doing? Can I tease and please your blank with my tongue and make you blank over and over? Right after that, she tells you that she's 12. And then, you show, then you show some reservations. I'm not, I'm not arresting you. I'm not they arresting you. are. They're I'm arresting you. Rick, I'm trying to understand and how, uh, what are you, wrong. you're 25? He said in the conversation that he was only 25. Later, we find out that he's 32 and he's pacing and he's being loud. Now, the police outside hear him shouting and they radio to Frag, you know, is everybody okay inside? Because we hear shouting, should we come in? And Frag indicates that, you know, we have the situation under control. You feel comfortable? I mean, we could hear him yelling out here. Oh, yeah, no, he's not aggressive at all. He's just upset. And it was really a testament to how well we were able to collaborate with law enforcement and we continue to do so even with the new investigations we're working on today. But it takes a little bit of give and take and it takes a bit of trust. The police have to trust that I'm okay and I know what I'm doing and I have to trust that the police will do what they have to do. But it's not always easy, and sometimes we just have to make it up as we go along. You know, clearly, if I thought this guy was a danger to me or anybody else inside the house, I would just get out of the way and let the police arrest him. But what has made this series of investigations, I think, so compelling, or at least one of the reasons it's been so compelling, is that we have, just by being smart, by being attentive, by listening by, you know, staying on our toes, we've been able to capture these amazing moments and take viewers inside the commission of a felony and watch this play out in a realistic, albeit very dramatic fashion. 
this is a prime example of it because if you watch the video, if you see everything that I've seen, there are police outside, they're anxious, but they don't overdo it. They don't bust the door down. They're smart. They listen. I'm inside doing the best I can, trying to be smart and listening and trying to stay a step ahead of Corey Edgar. Now, the good news for me is that I have the transcripts, which always shocks the predators, and it allows me to have the upper hand. You ask if she's ever had sex before. She says, I almost, but I was kind of scared because I was told it hurt. Just a tease. All just a tease. Okay, then you say... Okay, then he starts to talk about her Yahoo profile, saying that she's 102. Now... That could be a way of allowing somebody who's 12 to be on Yahoo by putting a zero in between. And and he seems to use that as some sort of a defense and blames Yahoo that, you know, she could have said any age. It was just fantasy. She wasn't really 12. She put in her profile 102. And of course, I have to ask him. So you came here to meet a 102-year-old woman. In her profile, it says 102. How does Yahoo let these people online? Rick, she tells you so clearly you that she's 12. And there's 102 age so, so you're saying you thought you were talking to a 102-year-old woman who you wanted to sexually play? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, it sounds like what why saying. can't people be honest? So it gets to the point where Corey is demanding to know who I am, and I tell him. Who I'm getting serious. Who am I? Yeah. I'm Chris Hansen with Dateline NBC, and we're doing a story on adults who try to meet children online for sex. Now, if there's anything else you want to tell us, we'd be happy to hear it. If not, you're clearly free to walk right out the door you came in. He then puts his hands on his head, lowers his sunglasses as if that's going to protect his identity, and he tries to figure out what he is going to do next. Does he run? Does he apologize? Does he come up with another unbelievable excuse? No. He's sitting in a chair and he reaches over and pours himself a glass of fruit punch that's in a pitcher. Okay, here's the whole reveal. He put his sunglasses on. Now he's pouring himself a drink. He's not happy and he thinks he's not going to have a good day when he walks out. Doesn't say anything. And we're waiting. I'm standing at the counter, cameraman behind me, cameraman on the other side of the room, and we wait to see what happens next. It's tense, and again, part of what makes these investigations so compelling is that we really don't know what's going to happen next. We have to prepare for anything, but we really don't know. But I got the sense, as I'm standing there looking at him, this is not going to get violent or get out of control. And and remember, I've got Ronnie Knight with me in the house, so he's not going to let anything like that happen. So Rick takes one last big gulp of his fruit punch and at that point I get the sense that he's already told me everything he's going to tell me and that we know pretty much everything we need to know certainly the police know everything they need to know and I suggest maybe it's time to leave but Rick I think it's time to go so he gets up and very calmly walks out the door sees the police and immediately there's no shouting The police don't say, get down on the ground or anything. He gets down on his knees, puts his hands up, and he's arrested. He's coming out, guys. He's coming out. Oh, yeah, he's out. Uh, Anybody out there can come on in right now. He's in custody. Corey is charged with 
the crimes associated with the chat and showing up. He had claimed that he was just going fishing, that he had his fishing license in the console of his vehicle. He was fishing all right, fishing for an underage kid to have sex with. Corey was sentenced to three years probation, 60 hours of community service, and he had to register as a sex offender. As far as we know, he's still living in California. He's worked a few jobs, including a barista and trainer at Starbucks. I always wonder one day um, what's going to happen when I walk into a Starbucks, and I, and I, I love my coffee. When I walk into one of these places and it's one of the predators I've caught waiting on me, how's that going to go down? I wonder if it's already happened and they went to the back room. I don't know. Corey, a few years ago, wrote a letter, an open letter, trying to explain his actions. Corey, and, and we have every reason to believe that this is Corey Edgar who wrote this and posted it, under the title Lifetime Mistake. Now, this was posted in January of 2013, and it says it was originally posted in June of 2012. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey, and I'm writing this story so everyone knows the truth on how I got here and became a registered sex offender. Keep in mind, I am not denying what I did. And God says everyone makes mistakes. If not, then you're not human. It all began in September 2006. That's when we did the sting in Long Beach. A buddy of mine wanted me to go to a strip club after the ball game, and I decided not to go and go home instead. Basically, he's going to set up a story about him being catfished by this buddy. The next day, my buddy was telling me how he met a girl at the strip club and how the two of them were into one another. Being the big joker I was at the time, I decided to make up an email account sending my buddy sexual emails pretending to be her. Well, the joke was on him, and after about two weeks, I finally told him the truth, and he said he would get me back. Okay, now he's setting up the catfish part of this. None of this is very believable, but he should have his say. Then it all began two weeks later. I was on my home computer checking college football scores and I received a pop-up message on my Yahoo Messenger saying, do you want to play? I proceeded to go along with it. Parenthetically, he says, thinking the joke's on me now. And the chat got sexual. And I even copy and paste a nude pic off a website and sent that as well. I asked, how old are you and where are you from? She said she was 12. But the profile said 100, and she said she's from Long Beach, California, which is parenthetically where my buddy is from. Okay, still not buying it. At this point, I really think it's my buddy and his girlfriend getting me back, so I went along with it, and the sexual talk continued. Now, he doesn't try to talk about or reference or excuse the fact that his opening line in the chat which we have, was about performing oral sex on the person he reached out to, who almost immediately he found out was 12. Anyway, he continues. Later that day, I asked for directions and went to the house. My mind was telling me this is a setup. But at the same time, I thought my buddy was trying to get me back. When I got to the house, a female answered the door and said, come on in. 
I did not recognize the girl, and that's when I realized it wasn't a joke. Too late now, he says in parentheses. I sat outside, and she said, did you bring condoms? I said, no, I did not bring condoms, because this is wrong. And she said, just picture me naked and come on in. Now, the onside decoy did say something about just picture me naked and come on in. That's true. And you hear that on the tape. But the rest of this, it's a sad attempt at excusing an attempted rape of a child. I said, no, this is wrong. As I walked back to my car, she said, this is fucked up. That the least I could do is come in for some punch she just made. No, that's not true. This is Corey making it up. I felt really bad and guilty, so I went in and started drinking my punch. And Chris Hansen from Dateline NBC walked out, and I was arrested 10 minutes later. Well, some of that is true, as you know. Not the timeline, he suggests. Never touched the girl. True. I was charged with attempted lewd act on a minor. True. Never received a plea deal. My attorney said I have enough evidence to take it to trial and prove that I had no intentions. But he also warned me that this is such a big deal in the public eyes that the jury will have me guilty before trial. So I plead no contest and received one year therapy, six months Caltran, I assume that's the public service, and lifetime sex offender. You should have got some training in grammar and syntax too. In the meantime, Dateline NBC continues to play the show only on the things said that will give them high ratings. Well, Corey, 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 that's not true. Nothing else. My wife and I have lost friends. My sons get called names, and every year I register at the Norwalk, California Sheriff's Station, they are rude and humiliate me. Well, that's what happens when you try to rape a 12-year-old girl. Please think before you do, he says, and don't let this same mistake happen to you because it will be a lifetime of misery. Sincerely, Corey Edgar. We do know that Corey's wife filed for divorce, and that divorce was granted. I reached out to the best number I could find to speak with Corey and offer him the opportunity to appear on this podcast. The number I called had a voicemail. I left my information, and I have not heard back. But, Corey, if you're listening to this, please know that I would like to have you on this podcast anytime and to let you explain yourself and have a seat with Chris Hansen. We have reached out to a number of men who have surfaced in our investigations and offered them the opportunity to appear in this podcast, and I think some ultimately will. If you have any information about them, or if you are one of them, or you just want to check in with me, you can do so at chris at predatorpodcast.com. As you know, we like to hear from you, and I encourage you to send in questions audio files that we can play here on the podcast. This week's question, and and I do read and listen to them all, as do my producers, Joe Garner and Steve Cohen, is from Johnny, who lives in Bristol in the southwest of the UK, which is home to the artist Banksy, Wallace and Gromit, and Concord. I like all those things. Anyway, here's Johnny's question. Hi, Chris. My name's Johnny, and I live in Bristol, which is in the southwest of England. I've been a big fan of To Catch a Predator 
since, well, for over 10 years now, since I was probably only 14 or 15 myself. I first started watching the show on YouTube and I thought what an incredible thing it was that you were doing to bring these people to justice that meant to harm um, young children. And the fact that you've caught, I think it was over 400 predators now, and you're still going is, is incredible. So keep up the amazing work. My question was about the criticism that you faced over your career. I know in the original run of shows, there were districts that weren't too keen on you conducting investigations in their area. I know the show's been leveled with this idea of being controversial and those kind of things. So I want to know how has that affected you personally? Have any original critics changed their attitude towards your investigations? Um, and do you still face criticism now? And if so, you know, from where and how does that affect you? Like I said, please keep up everything you're doing. And I'm a massive fan of the podcast. You know, Johnny, that's a great question, as are they all. But the criticism, you know, is there, of course. We've been criticized over the years by some print journalists who think that, uh, and, and some broadcast journalists who think that we work too closely with the police or that we're exploiting these men at their lowest moment. And I think I've paid a little bit of a price for that professionally. I think that, you know, some of the other work we've done over the years might have been overlooked for awards just because I'm so closely associated with the predator investigations. I mean, keep in mind that it's maybe 10% of my portfolio of the 10 Emmys I've won, and none of them are for Predator. They're all for other investigations. And there have been critical articles written. And I, I think, while I understand that it's different, that it's not traditional journalism, I would argue that it's important and that we were able to use enterprise techniques, hidden cameras, decoys, to take the viewer inside the commission of a felony and to show what can happen when a child, a vulnerable child, is exploited by an adult. I was on the phone with a, an assistant district attorney in California just yesterday talking about the huge numbers of reported predatory contacts and reported transmission of child pornography during the pandemic and also the association between child porn and, and predatory behavior. And it's shocking because so many more people are online, there's so many more platforms than ever before, that the opportunity for a child to be exploited is greater now than ever before in the history of the internet. And I truly believe that. And I think people who know even more about it than I do believe that as well. We did an investigation just a few weeks before this recording. And again, men showed up. I confronted them. It'll be part of the new television investigation. And ultimately, we'll talk about it here on the podcast. But yes, the criticism, look, you can't be in my business for 40 years and be thin-skinned. The predator investigations, you know, took my career in a direction that maybe I didn't predict 20 years ago. But you either embrace it for all the good it is or you run away from it. And I'm not going to run away from it. There's nothing to run away from. It's good, solid work. And to be honest with you, Johnny, it's opened more doors than it's closed. I mean, look, to be honest with you, I think the 
producers at 60 Minutes probably looked their nose down on it. And when I made the decision to do it, I probably made the decision not to go work at 60 Minutes. And I had these conversations with my son, who is a reporter in television. And I say to him, look, you know, I'm very comfortable with the way my career has gone. and, And I'm glad I did what I did. But there will always be mainstream journalists who will think that I took it too far. And I pushed too far outside the boundaries of traditional journalism. But, you know, so be it. I'm comfortable with that. And I think what we've done has been been very good, very powerful. And I think when something like this, you know, becomes iconic and part of pop culture, you're going to face criticism for not being the standard, you know, CBS white shirt journalist. And, and, and I can live with that. I'm very comfortable with it. A lot of other projects in the works and many more podcasts to come. Thank you for joining me. I'll be watching and listening.